Welcome to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we continue the conversation that started on Sunday to help you become more like Christ throughout the week. I'm your host, Clay Wright. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. My name is Clay Wright, and I'm here once again with Pastor Jim. Glad to be here. It's good It's good to be here with you. Yes, it is. Uh, Likewise. And uh, today we're going to be doing the same thing that we always do, which is to dig a little bit deeper into the sermon uh, and, and the content of the sermon that we were in this past Sunday at Church of the Open Door. And this past Sunday, we were continuing our series in talking about what's your next step in becoming more like Christ and specifically what's your next step in the S, which is spirit led service. Uh, so we're almost finished with this series. We've just entered into right. the sort of last section of the Christ acronym mm -hmm. where we're talking about loving God, loving people, and living surrendered is the way to summarize mm -hmm. what it means to be a spirit-led servant and a trustworthy steward. Mm -hmm. These are things we see in Jesus that we want to exercise as well. Yes. And we started off the morning in Mark 1045, talking about how Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you first, Jim, as we kind of reflect on this past week and think about it and, and what we can uh, dig into, what is it that can come to our minds as we're thinking as believers and as disciples of Jesus about being led by the Spirit? That language, it, it can be filled with all sorts of different mm. images and content. So what is it that you think of when you think about being led by the Spirit? And maybe I know there may be some more scriptures that you want to bring into that conversation. So can you help us just orient to this conversation? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Now, did, did we talk about, did I mention Luke 4 in the sermon? I think so, yeah. Luke 4, 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit. Yes, yep. Yeah, so that's that's where it all starts. Um, because since we are trying to be like Christ, mm -hmm. and we notice that Luke wants to set us up to help us understand that Jesus, everything he said, everything he did, was being led by the Spirit. Right. Which I find, by the way, I find fascinating that, you know, the the greatest leader ever is being led <laughs> yeah. by someone else. Yeah, that's uh, true. It's, you know, I've never read a book on leadership where, uh, when the leader is making his greatest contribution or her greatest contribution, um, says I was being led by another. Mm. It's always, I was leading, I was in charge. And that's when I made my greatest contribution. But here's Jesus right off the bat. He's being depicted as the one who's being led, Yeah, which is a, a, a cool thought. But, you know, of course we, we see that kind of language get picked up in, in the book of Acts in a, in a different kind of a way. Because uh, we don't see Jesus talking about himself as, um, you know, exercising spiritual gifts, or we don't we, we don't hear him right. talking about that kind of language. Um, but there, but he clearly is uh, pointing to the Father, pointing to the Trinity, pointing to the Holy Spirit as uh, someone who he's doing life with and being led by, and and then of course again Luke wants us to see that real clearly. He was led by the Spirit as he was full of the Spirit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, and one of the things we've talked about as we were in the gospel of Luke, cause we're right now we're in a, like a little bit of a pit stop, Yeah, no. but the book of Luke emphasizes in a lot of ways, Jesus's humanity mm -hmm. and, and about how he, he sets an example for us in, in that we as, as humans want to live led by the spirit. And so it's, you see this repeated phrase in the gospel yeah. of Luke and, Yeah. 
that's something that we can live into as well. And then, of, of course, the other half of this core Christ-like characteristic, it's not just about being spirit-led. It's also about being led by the spirit to serve. To, to serve. Yeah. And so can you talk to us a little bit more about in scripture where, where those two ideas are connected? Because yeah. what we don't tend to think about being spirit-led in terms of service. Uh. Yeah, I think that's true for most people, um, but but that's the, not the way you think because you're being led by the Spirit, right? In, right. And <laughs> in, in this whole Christ-like acronym way. Anyway, so one of the things that's fascinating is when you read the Book of Acts, you start to see that they, that Luke and Paul have a special relationship, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it shows up here and there. Um, <clears throat> you know, in Acts 16, we see we we've talked about this a lot uh, in a previous sermon series that. Um, uh, it looks when Luke is writing, um, he's talking about Paul and then all of a sudden he starts saying we, mm-hmm. so we know Luke joined the team. And so Luke spent a lot of time in Paul's second missionary journey with him. And I think picked up a lot of his emphases. And so, you know, when, when Paul writes, he writes about being led by the spirit and he, t- he writes about serving. So it's not a surprise that when Luke writes the gospel, he's also been influenced by Paul's teaching. Right. And so you don't hear John talk as much in the letters about being led by the spirit. Um, and you don't hear Peter talk as much about being led by the spirit, but Paul all the time. And so um, I think that's it's also interesting from the standpoint of the fact that J- John was Jesus's disciple mm-hmm. and John records some of the greatest teaching on the Holy Spirit. But when you get to the letters, he doesn't talk quite as much about that. So, But Paul does all the time. So uh, that's where I get most of my understanding about how the Holy Spirit is the one who produces a servant heart. It's through the life of Jesus and then through the teaching of Paul. Right. So, for instance, Galatians 5, I... I can pull it up on my computer. Um, Galatians 5 is a passage that I, I, I definitely left on the cutting room floor. <laughs> I was wanting to talk a little bit about this and uh, just didn't, didn't get, have, have time. So when you turn to Galatians 5, it's famous for being a passage that's full of the Holy Spirit, you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit, I mean. But um, there's some awesome other really cool language, like verse 13 of Galatians 5. Paul says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another. And then, you know, it's either serve one another in love or serve one another humbly in love. But there's that language of the idea of serving, the idea of loving. And then verse 16, it's like, bam, right, right after that, I say, so I say, that so is therefore, so there's a connection between verses 13, 14, and 15, and verse 16. Mm-hmm. And so I connect serving one another in love, using your freedom, uh, verse 14, love your neighbor as yourself. I connect that with walking by the Spirit. Right. It seems like a, that's what the whole point of that conjunction is. So I say walk by the Spirit, verse 16, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so then verse 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Verse 18, if you are led by the spirit, you know, so you have this language that's being crushed together, put together of serving in love and being led by the spirit. So that's a beautiful picture for us about how these two thoughts, these two ideas, being led by the spirit and serving one another love. 
go so well together. Absolutely. And then, of course, he, he you know, flushes that out in verse 22, for the fruit of the Spirit is love. Mm-hmm. Well, we just talked about serving in love. So it's all woven together in Paul's mind. These are, these are not things that are disparate, separate. They all, they all flow together. And then he ends chapter 15, kind of wrapping up, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Yeah. And so he starts with serving in love, introduces the Spirit, and ends with the idea of, of being led by the Spirit to love. And so that's, that's, yeah. that's one of the places that I think it's the clearest in the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. The, the thing I love mm-hmm. about just opening up and and digging into these kinds of passages about the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and the way that he works in our lives is is that mm-hmm. it's a good corrective for us because it's so easy to get so excited about more <laughs> sensational ways that the Spirit yeah. moves. Yeah. And to, you know, I, I think a lot of people, if you just caught them on the street, if they were believers, uh, uh, and they go to spirit led churches. If you ask them, Hey, what's the sign of being filled with the spirit? They may say things that are, you know, have to do with, Oh, well you, you really hear God speaking to you or you see the spirit doing miracles in your life. And these, these are the real telltale signs Mm -hmm. when in, in reality, um, you know, the, the, the more quote unquote mundane signs of having a heart to serve people, mm-hmm. uh, bearing the fruit of the spirit, which if you look at the fruits of the spirit, they're all things that manifest in your relationships right. with other people. Exactly. So it's very much a relational, very much an, an earthy, yeah. not a fleshy, but an earthy kind of mm-hmm. you know, God is concerned with our way of life and the spirit empowers us to live differently in the way that we interact with people and love people. It's always relational. It, and we want to make it sensational. It's, yes. It's always relational. Same, same, I mean, what, that's what's going on in First Corinthians. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthians, what we call the first First Corinthians. It's probably a second letter that he wrote, but yeah. kind of different conversation. <laughs> but he's writing it largely to answer questions or mm-hmm. to address issues. Well, one of the issues they're having is they forgot teaching about the Holy Spirit and they're all excited about the sensational parts right. of the leader, the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, I've got this gift and my gift's more important than yours. Mm-hmm. And, and you should have the same gift I have, or you should show signs of the spirit. Like I have signs of the spirit. And how does Paul correct it? <laughs> he talks about loving one another, Yeah, you know, and does a whole chapter in the middle of, you know, first Corinthians 12 <laughs> and first Corinthians 14 or right. about spirit leadership and how that shows up in the church and shows up in gatherings and one another. Yeah. And stuck right in the middle, this whole chapter on love. Mm-hmm. This is the greatest way. Let me show you the most excellent way. Yeah. Love. Yeah. So relational. So, yeah, it's even back then in the first century, they're turning the spirit into a sensational thing. And mm-hmm. Paul's correcting by saying, no, it's relational. I care about how you love one another, how you treat one another. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's once you start seeing that. It's, it shows up again and again throughout the New Testament. Yeah. And, and what's so interesting to me is that, you know, the whole, the Holy Spirit is such a significant part of the Christian life. I mean, the, the Holy oh. Spirit enables oh. the Const- Christian constitutive. life. You might say, yeah. empowers the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get this vignette in Acts where you have a group of people who have believed in the gospel, who believe in Jesus, but they haven't yet received the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember when we were in Greece, uh, you did a teaching on this and you talked about, because there there are some of these interesting transitional moments in the book of Acts where Mm -hmm. you're like, whoa, somebody who believes in Jesus, but isn't full of the spirit. And that's not, you know, we've we've talked, maybe, I don't know if you want to say 
more about that, but it's the X-19s that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. These different. Yeah. Just so we're clear that that's, they had been, they were disciples of John the Baptist. Right. And so it's one of the things that's fascinating about that passage. It starts off talking about uh, Paul ran into some disciples. Mm-hmm. Well, we're trained to think of the word disciples as disciples of Jesus. Right. And unless it says disciples of John or disciples of Herod, of the Herodians or mm-hmm. disciples of the Pharisees. But then later on in Acts 19, as Paul starts posing questions, well, you know, what, what teachings have you heard? And, and, you know, have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we yeah. never even heard of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then he says, oh, you've got the baptism of John, the teaching of John. Right. So that's where that all gets becomes clear to us because right, right. clearly Paul is confused. That's why he's asking these questions mm-hmm. um, in, in the in, the, in Greece, we taught, we posed it as a question of surprise. Yeah. You know, how is it that you, you know, can claim to be disciples and, and yet you don't have the spirit that yeah. those don't go together in Paul's brain and they shouldn't. Right, right, and right. So once he started realizing, oh, you've got the teaching of John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I understand. Well, let me tell you more about Jesus and yeah. the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yet I like, I, maybe you have, I, I know I have run into believers who would you know, believe in Jesus, believe that he died and rose again, all these sorts of things. But they come asking, I, I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, how do you how do you counsel folks yeah. that are in that kind of a place? Yeah, usually that comes in from one or two pla- one or two different places. It either comes from the fact that they've been they've experienced teaching in a church or from other people that have talked about a two works of grace mm-hmm. or a a baptism of the Holy Spirit that's separate from salvation. And that's where you get the spiritual gifts. That's where you get uh, this fresh baptism. And it's usually Assembly of God teachings or charismatic teachings or Pentecostal teachings. And so they've been exposed to that. And and a lot of times that teaching, I don't know whether it's intentional in everybody or whether it's an unintentional uh, thing that happens is they end up kind of creating questions in you. I guess mm-hmm. I don't have all that I need. Right. Or they come right out and say, you don't have everything you need. And, you know, it's like you're a less than Christian. Uh, so there's it, it comes from that world and that kind of teaching, or it comes from the fact that they look at their life and it's like, I don't seem to have any power in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I I'm trying to follow Jesus I'm trying to be a good person, you know, I'm trying to be a good Christian, but, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not experiencing the power. And, you know, I, I think of Galatians 3, when I think about that, where Paul says, hey, well, well guys, did, did you receive the Spirit by keeping the law? Mm. You know, if you think that that's how you're going to now walk as a Christian is law keeping. Right. You know, no, you need the Holy Spirit to empower you, just how the Holy Spirit applied salvation to you. It's also the Holy Spirit who empowers you. You need to step into this learning to be led by the Spirit. You have the Spirit. Now learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. So based upon where that's coming from, and it's usually one of those two places when I talk to people, then I kind of press in and say, okay, let's go to some scriptures and see if this idea of two works of grace, that you're the work of salvation and the work of sanctification, is that really two separate things or is that, has there been a misunderstanding? And I think there has been a misunderstanding that Mm. certain parts of the body of Christ um, have read scriptures in such a way as to, to think that it's, there's two works of grace. 
And the only way I would say that there's two works of grace is if, if I can also say there's three and four and five <laughs> and 10,000. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, that, that, yes, it, every time the Spirit does something in me, every time I breathe mm-hmm. in the Spirit, that's a work of grace. Right. And uh, if we want to get sacramental language going here, that's a means of grace, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not what they mean. They mean there's two works of grace, salvation and sanctification. Yeah. yeah. And I actually cut my theological teeth uh, um, educationally, not not growing up in a church, but actually going to education, uh, college and seminary. I cut my teeth on uh, teaching that, that taught there's two separate works of grace, the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, the holiness movement, right? And, and they, and, I, and so I believed that for many years. And uh, a, a number of us in the Nazarene Church would began to wrestle. Scholars and students and pastors began to wrestle with: Does the Scripture really teach two separate, distinct works of grace, or have we misunderstood it? And yeah. so, and even in the Church of the Nazarene today, there's arguments still. Uh, about this whole thing. Are there two works of grace? And when they talk about two works of grace, they, t- they tend to talk about uh, them in very um, uh, dramatic ways. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, I got saved, it was very dramatic. And then I, then I got the Spirit. <laughs> or I got baptized in the Spirit. Yeah. Or I received the Spirit. And that, you know, was real dramatic. And, um, and, and on, on the other hand, you, while you have some people who talk about receiving the Spirit or getting saved in dramatic terms, there's also the more um, even and steady way of growing in the Spirit. And in the past, I've used the illustration of when I was a kid, we went, went to Colorado and we mm-hmm. crossed a sign in Wolf Creek's Pass in the, in the Rocky Mountains that said, Continental Divide. Yep. You know, and I'm like, oh, it makes sense. We're on top of a mountain. Yeah. And then later on in that very trip, we were we had gone down to to New Mexico and now we're like in the flatlands of New Mexico mm-hmm. and we pass a sign that says Continental Divide. <laughs> and in my little brain, I'm like, wait a minute, no. Continental Divide is at the top of a mountain. Right, right. I mean, we're we're as flat as you can get. Of course, I couldn't see that there. It, while it was largely flat, there was a slight and slow elevation that, you know, that and a crest. And we had passed that ever so subtle crest mm-hmm. in, the, in the road. And Continental Divine simply means all the water that lands on the west side goes to Pacific. All the water that lands on the east side of that line goes to the Atlantic through rivers and stuff. And mm-hmm. so I, I was struck by that. And, and I, I thought of that years later. That's a good way of illustrating that some people have mountaintop experiences. Yes. It's like, oh, man, I was crying and it was powerful and dramatic. And, and then they almost make the people who have the gradual... You know, I just, I just kept walking with God. I kept walking with God. You know, I kept exploring. I kept exploring. And, right. and then I discovered this new life and I discovered this new power. Yeah. And I, I crossed the Continental Divide, mm-hmm. but it wasn't dramatic. Yeah. You and know, I, I think that's so important to remember because even when it, you know, when, when we think that it needs to be something dramatic, we have some ability as humans to try to manufacture oh, some we of that. Do. Absolutely. And so, you know, in our <laughs> will, we can manufacture a season of victory, Mm -hmm. you know, against sin. We can just try really hard and Mm -hmm. and try to prove it to ourselves. And uh, that can get difficult because eventually that doesn't work out. And so then where are you left? What assurance do you have when when your energy runs out or your strength runs out? So we're back to Galatians 3 again. And so when you're when you're ministering to, to someone like that, uh, and if they ask, well, how can I know? Like, are there any questions that that we can ask diagnostically to say, mm-hmm. you know, 
man, am I, am I filled with the spirit? And one question might be from, from your sermon on Sunday, am I being led to serve people in love? Mm -hmm. I think that's a great question. Yeah. Are there other questions that you find helpful with, for folks? Um, sure. I think another question would be, um, what are, what is your understanding of what the Holy Spirit's doing in you? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I like to use the word understanding because I don't want to be, use the word feel because that's unreliable. Sometimes I feel the Holy Spirit's leading me and sometimes right. I feel like he's not. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what's my understanding of what the scripture teaches and how that impacts my life? Mm -hmm. and, um, and other ask other questions I'd like to ask is how intentional and deliberate are you being in listening for the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. Do you think this is going to just kind of capture, you know, capture you off guard and be automatic? And, you know, one of these days the Holy Spirit is going to show up, you know, are you, you know, practicing what we call the spiritual disciplines, which spiritual disciplines are simply um, getting yourself in a, in a space where you can receive God's grace, yes. where you can be more attentive to God's mm -hmm. grace. And so as I practice some spiritual disciplines, one of them being listening for the voice of the spirit in scripture, for instance, right. um, I'm actually training myself to be more attentive. And it, again, to use another illustration, it's, it's the old radio wave. I think I've used this before. There's, there are radio waves and mm -hmm. frequencies that are always flowing, but I, I tune into that frequency. Oh, there, there's the song. There's the speaker. There's the, the, you know, the, the station. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't, it wasn't off and now it's on. Right. It was always on. I just wasn't tuned in. And this is a, a wonderful illustration for the, the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. He's always working in our life. Yeah. And the question is, are we attentive? Are we listening? Yeah. So I, we might ask some questions of people are, you know, what are some ways that you attend to the Holy Spirit, that you're attentive to the Spirit? Right. Um, are you, you know, do you have uh, the disciplines of reading the, reading the Word of God? Are, are you expecting the Holy Spirit to lead you? Mm -hmm. Do you pause from time to time and say, you know, Holy Spirit, lead me? Because uh, the, these are simple things that you can do, but a lot of people are not aware of them. And once they start practicing them, it's like, oh, I now I'm putting myself in a place where I can pay attention or I'm attentive to the, the right, work of the Spirit, right. the voice of the Spirit. Yeah. And then also, sometimes you have to just give basic teaching on how does one ever even learn to hear. And my favorite way to talk about this is the way babies um, recognize the language of the, uh, the mom and dad. Mm -hmm. You know. Babies, they, as far as we can tell, they can hear sounds, but it's <laughs> but it's muffled. It's 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 unclear. Wah, 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 wah. You know, they're not really. It's not tuned in. Mm -hmm. uh, when babies babies eyes, they can't see color. You know, it's it, it's blurry and it's black and white. So as they look, their eyes get clearer. And as they hear, they you know, they start making distinct sounds and hearing distinct sounds, and they start recognizing. Like in your life, you know, I think I've used this illustration with Arden mm -hmm. and Nathaniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Dad's voice. That voice over there is deep and. You know, and and strong, and this voice over here is, is is soft and gentle, and you know, hey, that's mom, that's dad. They start putting labels on that, right, right. And in the same way, um, I begin to recognize as I'm attending to the Spirit's voice, as I'm listening for, as I, you know, say things like "Holy Spirit, lead me," and then I pay attention. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I say "Holy Spirit," you know, I want your leadership in my life, but then I ignore Him. You know, it's, I'm not going to hear it, but if I pray, lead me, I want to be led by your spirit. And then I start paying attention and I sense, you know, maybe uh, uh, 
a, a, a voice or I sense a prompt in my spirit, you know, do that. And so mm-hmm. then I, I do that and sure enough, it worked or sure enough, it was a blessing. I'm like, oh, I'm starting to recognize that's the voice of the spirit. Likewise, if I hear this, the thought comes through my mind, is that God, you know, and I do it and, it, you know, it's something where nothing really happened. Okay. I recognize. Okay. That wasn't yeah. the voice of the spirit. I'm learning. Mm-hmm. You learn to hear the voice of the spirit. You learn to recognize and you learn to, to discern that voice from other voices or, or thoughts in your head. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, a process. And I, and I, I've, I remember, I've heard you preach on that idea of discerning the voice of the spirit, uh, a lot over the years. Mm-hmm. And the, the most helpful thing that I've taken a hold of is just, it's, it's not something that you can, um, necessarily understand your way into it's mm-hmm. something that you just have to practice yeah yeah and it's something that you learn from experience yeah, uh you experience it, your way into it <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people myself included we want like a flow chart it's like okay well did it feel good or bad yeah. okay well if it felt good then it's the spirit if it felt bad then it's not the spirit okay well if it felt good did it you know match up with the fruits of the spirit or did it not it, like we want to we want to have this really um we want to have it all laid out for yeah. us, but discernment is not that kind of thing. Yeah. And of course, judging it by the fruits of the spirit, you know, if it's not something that the spirit produces, like if it's hatred or mm-hmm. anger or strife, yeah. you know, this, these are not the fruits of the spirit. Yeah. But, so, so what you're describing is, you, you know, we want it to be in a structured way or we want it to be in a scientific way, mm-hmm. uh, something that's very linear. Yes. But the way we've been describing, the way that we recognize the voice of the Spirit is very relational. Yes. Same mm-hmm. thing with that baby, listening to the voice of a parent. Right. It's a, it's a relational thing. Absolutely. And uh, the Holy Spirit's a person, so mm-hmm. he's relational. Yeah. And so he speaks and leads in relational ways. Yeah. And then the last thing that I always find really relevant to to me and, and also to a lot of the people that I minister to is that conviction is a sign of the work of the spirit in your life. And so I, especially when folks are in that Galatians three kind of space where they're, they've been trying and they're just not seeing the kind of growth or the kind of victory that they want in their Mm -hmm. lives. And yet they're brokenhearted over their sin. Yeah. It's like, Hey, that's the work of the be spirit. encouraged. (laughs) You know, it's so you're here in the spirit. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so I think, you know, uh, it's always uh, helpful for me as well to remember uh, in, in life group, we, we actually opened up to uh, John 14 and, oh, and we good. were reading just, just to kind of set the tone a little bit yeah. and reading about how the spirit is given as a, he's described as a helper, mm-hmm. a comforter, uh, the one who's going to lead us and guide us into truth. Who comes alongside to lead us. And guide yes. Us. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, and again, you know, mm-hmm. that can be, it can be really miraculous in exciting ways. It can be in mundane right, and gentle right. and sweet ways. Yes. And that's, you know, just kind of trying to de, you know, can you demystify the work of the spirit? I don't Yeah. Th- I, I, I think Jesus does, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't make a sensational thing out of the Holy spirit. Right. Um, and we also, before we, if we, before we move on, we, we have to, to pause and, and talk about how important scripture is in and learning to yeah. recognize the voice of the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. For sure. Anybody who tries to learn the voice of the Spirit or continue to be led by the Spirit, who tries to do it apart from the Word of God, is setting themselves up for trouble uh, big time. Because the, the, the language of the Spirit is the Word of God. And so if I want to, you know, if I'm talking to somebody from France, the, the language of that person is French. So if I want to have... A, a deep 
understandable relationship between this person. I have to learn yeah. their language or they have to learn mine. Mm -hmm. And this is so true. We have to learn the language of the spirit. Well, that's the word of God. Right. And sometimes when I say learn the language of the spirit, people think, oh, that's speaking in tongues. Uh, no, that's that's not what the language of the spirit means. The language of the spirit is the word of God. He breathed it out. He spoke it. And yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm calling for people to be students of the word. I'm calling for people to do more than just do a, a devotional nugget in the morning. You know, just you read your, your verse, you know, do your memory verse and just move on. Try to find some time during the week. Maybe you can't do it every day, but try to find at least some time where you're learning to soak in the mm -hmm. word of God and, yep. and meditate on it and let it, let it impact you and study it. Mm -hmm. Slow down and study the word. You know, I know you do this and, those, you know, reading is important, very important, but it's no substitute for slowing down and studying and comparing translations. We talk about this a lot. Um, looking up words, um, mm -hmm. looking at the bigger context, you know, these, all these interpretive tools that we use to understand the word of God, which are not hard to learn. And the more you practice them, the easier yeah. they become. Yeah, I'm I'm having an example come to mind where it's it's like it's the difference between when you're trying to find your keys when you're on your way out the door and you're looking, you're going everywhere, you're throwing stuff around, you're trying to find quickly. something quickly versus reminiscing about That's old good. memories that you've packed <laughs> where away. Where did I go? Where yeah. And you know like on, on you're you're taking it out and you're looking at it slowly. You're mm -hmm. like, "Oh, you do you remember that?" Yeah, I I and you're picturing it and you're thinking about it. Yep. Um because it's, you know, there's no better, and this is true of every element of the Christ, you know, Christ-like acronym is that the foundation to all of this mm -hmm. is exactly what you're talking about, um, is, is getting into the scriptures, allowing them to inform us, mm -hmm. be, allowing them to, to shape, shape us. you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. So, yeah. uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, that's another, you know, when we were having this conversation as a life group, one of the things that I shared is. More, the the one of the most frequent ways that I sense the spirit working in my life is speaking to me either as I'm reading the text mm -hmm. or as I'm hearing the text read mm -hmm. or as I'm hearing it proclaimed mm -hmm. in a sermon. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, there's a reason we spend so much time in the scriptures and so much time preparing to preach. Yes. It's because we, our hope and our prayer is that the spirit is using the language of the text and breathing into it Amen. and speaking to us. Yes. Um, that's a cardinal foundational truth for, for our ministry here. Uh, we believe that God speaks through his word. Mm, amen. And so we come expectant to yeah. hear it. And um, we're listening for the voice of the spirit in the word of God. Mm -hmm. That's not a mystical thing. It's, right. you, can, you can make it mystical, but it's it's a reality if you'll just be quiet, still yourself, <laughs> right. you know, and slow down. Right, right. Yeah. Amen. And so in these things, uh, the next kind of topic I want to talk about is uh, more on spiritual gifts, which we talked about the, sh the shape survey on Sunday or the shape profile right. um, and how you know, God has shaped us uh, in such a way that we fit into the body of, the, of Christ to be able to serve. Mm -hmm. uh, and but bef before we jump into that, and I, I think I'll be able to connect it, but before we jump right into that. You know, when we talk about Jesus as a servant and Jesus as a spirit led servant back in Mark 1045, which was where you started your sermon, it says that the son of man, who's Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Mm -hmm. And it states that, and that's a beautiful truth. Mm -hmm. 
But I, I found myself wondering as I was sitting there and even pondering back on the sermon, why did Jesus come as a servant? Mm. Do, you, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think that's part of the bigger picture of how Jesus came to show us what God is really like. Yeah. And yeah. You know, one of the first times that we hear um, uh, about this word helper um, in, is that God is a helper, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's just, it's odd sometimes to think about uh, the, the holy, transcendent, all-powerful God is a helper. Hmm. That's, that's, that's servant language, you know? Uh, that God helps us. And so we see in the Old Testament and we see in the New Testament a clear understanding of who God is when we begin to recognize that God is a God who, who serves. And it's, it's just, a, it's almost an ironic thought. A God who could and, des- demand and de- deserves worship and could only say, I will never serve, I will only be served, comes to serve. And that's what mm-hmm. Paul's doing in Philippians 2. He's, he's letting us be stunned by the fact that, yes, it's this God, the yeah. transcendent God who comes and takes on the nature of a servant and mm-hmm. becomes human. And um, this is not an- antithetical to the nature of God. Right. Uh, so I, so Jesus is coming to show us what God is like, and we find out God is a God who serves mm-hmm. us. And wow, what's such humility? That's, and, um, that's a beautiful picture of God. God is humble. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus comes, he's humble. Right, <laughs> and uh, it's yeah, I love the idea of of humility and meekness being described as strength, you know, that's under constraint or strength that is self limiting, mm-hmm. um, and that's a beautiful picture of Jesus and a beautiful picture of <laughs> God the Father. Is that yeah, yeah, is that He condescends mm-hmm. to speak to us? Well, right. that very act of God revealing himself, condescending to speak to us, that's an act of serving. Mm-hmm. And so that can be a, a kind of a revolutionary thought to think of God as one who comes as one who serves. Yeah. And, uh, and then of course, Jesus picks up on the language. He says in, and um, is it in Luke where he says, I am among you as one who serves. Mm-hmm. And then of course, in John chapter 13, when he washes disciples feet, he said, he said, feet's, <laughs> When he washes disciples' feet, um, he he says, "You know, you'll be blessed if you do what I've done. I've I've mm-hmm. served you." So th- this this picture of Jesus serving and this language of Jesus serving is not just in Mark nine and Mark and Mark ten. It's it's throughout the Gospels, right? And then again, Paul and, and Philippians yeah. two and other places. And what I love about it is that it, it's it's nothing like. Do you know the show Undercover Boss? Where uh, I've heard of it, I, I think I know the gist of it. Yeah, yeah. So they, there, you have these CEOs of these massive companies who come and they live a life as right. like a new recruit right. in like fast food service or whatever it would yeah. be. Yeah. In those times, what you find is like people at the top who have who are so disconnected, they they don't really know what's going on mm-hmm. on the ground, and they're coming and they're learning, they're surprised, and they're they're being shaped by it, and they're yeah. and they're as they're serving others. Whereas when God does it, he does it with intentionality. He yeah. does it knowingly. Right. Like Jesus didn't come to the earth and then be like, oh man, I didn't, I didn't realize this was going to be like this. <laughs> you know, he, he came. This is what I bargained for. <laughs> right. Yeah. He, he uh, came knowingly. And in order that we might know him. And so I just, yes. I think that's, that's such a cool thing to be reminded of. 
And so my, my kind of segue into spiritual gifts is kind of a fun question. Did Jesus have spiritual gifts? You yeah. know, it's not talked about in those terms in the gospels, but yeah. it's kind of a fun question. I've heard people ask before. Yeah. And uh, I would say, absolutely. He has all the gifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where I would go for that is how Paul describes the church as the body of right. Christ. Right. And so where is the body of Christ? Well, in the first century, it was in a, a, a a Jew from Nazareth, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there, there's the body of Christ walking around. Oh, he just went that way. Where is it today? It's the church. Yeah. And so as Paul uses this amazing illustration of the body of Christ, um, all of those gifts are given by the spirit to the body to yeah. serve. Yep. And so I think it's, 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 it's a perfectly logical conclusion to say that, yes, Jesus had all of the spiritual gifts. He's the only one, mm-hmm. but he, he was the body of Christ all by himself. And so right. all those gifts were yeah. expressed. Now, do we see them all being expressed? No, I, I don't. I see some of them, but not all of them. Um, you know, one of the ones that stands out the most that, you, that we never have record of is Jesus speaking in tongues mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> uh, or Jesus, in, you know, interpreting somebody else who's speaking in tongues. Because those are both spiritual gifts that Paul lists in 1 Corinthians 12. Right. Um trying to think of any other gifts that we, because you know, we see the gift of teaching, we see the gift of, of, of uh, serving, we see the gift of, of encouragement, we see the gift of miracles, we see the gift of, of um, helps, uh, we see the gifts of hospitality. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you, you start walking through all of the spiritual gifts, there's at least 21, some people have said as many as 24 that are the Bible lists. Yeah. And um, you know, yeah, a lot of them you can see in specific passages. Now you don't see Jesus saying, Hey guys, watch, I'm going to practice the, the spiritual gift of hospitality here <laughs> or, or even right. watch guys. I'm, I'm going to practice the spiritual gift of teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the things that Jesus has described the, the most as Jesus taught them saying, so, right. you know, but it never says, and Jesus exercised the spiritual gift of teaching and yeah. said, yeah. Uh, so, and one of the things I love about that, even it, it's a little bit of a question, a little bit of a thought experiment is that it helps us to recognize that while we want to grow up in every way into Christ likeness, mm-hmm. no one of us by ourselves can express the fullness of Christ. That's exactly right. And, and so that's, that's a part of why he's drawing us together as a body. And that's one of the reasons why we love to gather as a church. Well, and that's, that's seen so beautifully in Ephesians chapter four, mm-hmm. where you can miss this. Yes. It, it, sometimes people only teach Ephesians four. I'm thinking about around verses 15 through 19, especially in individual terms. And it's fine to hear that and think of that work of the Spirit to make you more like Christ in individual terms. But Paul is primarily talking about communal terms, right. that we uh, are become uh, f- the fullness of Christ. We become fully mature as a body, as you know, s- supporting ligaments and, and everything, are doing their work as each part does its work. So Paul is definitely depicting that as a work of the church, a work of the body of Christ together, serving each other and serving uh, in the world. And the, the together were the fullness of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so as we think about, you know, kind of this topic of spiritual gifts, um, c- can you tell us more about, you know, you're talking about how there's different lists of gifts mm-hmm. and different areas where sure. the scriptures talk about them, but bring us into that a little bit more. 
Right. Uh, so th- there's three primary places where you have lists, and that's First Corinthians 12, um, Romans 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the most extensive list is First Corinthians 12, and the most extensive teaching is in First Corinthians 12, 13, right, and 14. Right. Uh, if you take First Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 out of the New Testament, it's remarkable how little we know about spiritual gifts mm-hmm. and how they work. And that's why it's so it's so funny that Paul starts his whole discussion, First Corinthians twelve one. Now about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant, because we would be if it wasn't for that teaching, <laughs> Paul. So thank you. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> if, if all we have is Romans twelve and Ephesians four, man, it's we have a, it's, there's a lot of dots that aren't connected for us. Right. Like, what, what is this? What, how does that work? But man. If you've never studied, I know you have, but if you've never studied 1 Corinthians 12, s- slowly work your way through that chapter mm-hmm. and and just take in this extraordinary teaching that he lays out yeah. with this illustration yeah. and, um, and, you know, parses all that out and th- all the things we can learn about the Spirit. So, so the Holy Spirit sovereignly, we learn from 1 Corinthians 12, that the Holy Spirit sovereignly right. gives gifts as he chooses so uh, I'm wasting my time asking God, you know, I want that gift and that gift and that gift. You know, nope, you're not sovereign. You don't get to choose that. <laughs> um, I don't think there's any problem with saying, Lord, give me a gift or, uh, you know, develop this gift. But to bring it like a list, you know, this is these are the ones I want. You know, uh, you've, you've not been reading First Corinthians 12 because he sovereignly chooses them right. as he determines and then we we start kind of putting together a little bit of a definition as we start putting together First Corinthians twelve because oh these are spiritual abilities that are given to me by God so mm-hmm. they're not things that I they're not natural abilities right. they're not things that I go to school to get they're, the Spirit gives them that's why we call them spiritual gifts He gives them but He doesn't give them for me. He gives them to edify the body, to build up the strength in the body. Well, we're starting to put get an understanding. Okay, we could define a spiritual gift as a spiritual ability, given by, an ability given to us by God's Spirit that enables us to serve, to minister, to edify other people mm-hmm. to the glory of God. Now, that's not a bad off the, off by you know, yeah. cuff definition, all drawn from scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Yeah. And so... The idea there, again, with this beautiful illustration of the body, is the, the body doesn't have an ear for looks. It's not a, it's not a, a, a decoration. It has a function. Right, right. And all of these gifts are highly functional. Mm-hmm. And their function is to, uh, to build up each other, to build up the church so the church can do its work you know, as as a as a church, and therefore the world to minister to the world, to declare to the world, to serve the world, and and Paul says in First Corinthians ten, you know, whatever you do, to it to the glory of God. So verse ten thirty one, chapter ten thirty one. So you know, all of these functions that we do, we right. serve, and given the gifts given to us by God are the ways that the church is built up. Mm-hmm. And of course the the next the the, the obvious uh, implication is if a church um member or a church attender, a Christian going to church does not exercise their gifts, does not function in their gifts, then that body 
is missing something. Mm-hmm. And this is, Paul makes, he actually has fun with this, you know, yeah. I, the whole body's not an ear. There, that's humor. You know, the whole <laughs> body's not an eye and the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what he's trying to say is we need each other and right, you, right. you are important in the body of Christ and necessary and needed. And if you don't discover your gifts and use them, you are, the body is handicapped. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's yeah. dysfunctional. Yep. And and, is, uh, that's, that's so important for us to hear that. Absolutely. And this is why one, one of the reasons why when we when we did a series on trustworthy stewardship, mm-hmm. we talked about serving, mm-hmm. because as it says in first Peter, we want to be good stewards of the things that God has the given to God. us, the grace of God. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so God has given us grace by giving us gifts. Mm-hmm. And so we, we need to steward those by exercising those gifts in the context of the body. That's one of the neat things about the word gifts is it's it's a play on the word grace. Right. So there, it's really appropriate to say grace gifts. Mm-hmm. You know, these are these are uh, you know, almost manifestations of the grace of God. Right. And how how do we see the grace of God? One of the ways is in the gifts that He gives His people. Mm-hmm. So so we got a definition. We got a right. purpose. Is right. a functionality, um, and it also helps us kind of find our place in the body. It's mm-hmm. like you know, I have a place. I yeah. have a role, and. And that just feels good. That's that's mm-hmm. that feels right. Right. Nobody is unnecessary. Everybody is necessary. Again, we talked about you know we need each other, and I think that that can be a powerful truth to a person who has a low self esteem or who was raised in an environment where you know they were meant to they were made to feel like less than or mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. No one ever encouraged them. No one ever said you're important. So they have a low self-esteem today, or maybe even no self-esteem. Hmm. And what a great, godly, healthy way to recognize, you know, I, I can uh, uh, contribute. I, I, I am important. God has not only made me in his image, but he's gifted me for a place in the body. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I suddenly, I don't have to make myself feel valuable. I don't have to prove to you that I'm valuable. Mm-hmm. I don't have to to puff my chest out and try to prove to everybody that I'm something, I am something. I just got to move in those gifts. Right. And so another question about gifts, you know, obviously uh, not everyone is a gifted, has the gift of intercession, for example. Okay. And yet we all, we all pray for others. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so like I will intercede for people, Mm -hmm. whether they're asking me or whether I just feel the spirit prompt me to do that. So can you parse out the, what's the difference between like a gifting in an area and just yeah. something that we all do as Christians. And also, you know, because I think this is something to guard against. Does the fact that some people are gifted in it, excuse me from practicing mm. intercession Good. Uh, or, or hospitality mm. or general, you know, whatever the other yeah. gifts would be. Uh, so can you speak to the kind of those sorts of questions as well? Yeah. And there's a fact, there's a number of gifts. So the gift of giving, mm-hmm. uh, the gift of serving, right. the gift of helps, um, the gift of encouragement. These are all things that we're called to do apart from our gifts. Yeah. You know, everyone is commanded to encourage one another. Uh, everyone is commanded to give. Everyone is commanded to serve one another. These are commands given to the body of Christ, regardless of what your spiritual gifts are. So then when you read them, when you, like you said, then you get to a gift that's called the gift of intercession or the gift of giving or the gift of serving. It's like, what's the difference here? And the, the difference is that they are, those like all gifts are given to build up the body. Yeah. So, uh, you know, giving is actually 
this kind of seems funny to say this, but, but giving is good for me. It's good for my soul. Yeah. It's good for the materialistic spirit that wants to, you know, creep into my spirit, into my, into my life. It, yeah. It's good. Giving is good for me. Mm-hmm. But when I have the gift of giving, it actually builds up the body. And so, right. you know, we all like, for instance, I, I tithe, I'm assuming you do. Mm-hmm. I give actually more than 10%, my, my wife and I, of our income to our local church, happens to be Church of the Open Door. Right. And, you know, that helps support the church. It also helps me exercise my trust in God. Yes. It's a way of me saying thank you to God. It's mm-hmm. a way of me being a good steward of all the things he's entrusted to me. Um, and so that helps the church. But when, if, if I had the gift of giving, which I don't, um, when I exercise that gift, it, it builds up the church in a much greater way, in a much more important way. Hmm. So um, you can translate that to every spiritual gift. Yes, we're all encouraged one another, but yeah. when when you have the gift of encouragement, your encouragement builds yeah. people and builds the church so much better and mm-hmm. so much stronger. Yeah. And um and God understands that we all need to be encouraged, and so he commands us to encourage one another and gifts some of us yes. to exercise in that gift. Right. For for you know, we can all be an encouragement, but not all of us are going to have a nickname son of encouragement, right? <laughs> yeah. you know, like, yeah. 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 And I, I was talking with a, a, a gal in my life group the other night who she was saying, we were, we we're talking about this kind of topic after group and she goes, yeah, you know, I just, I I really, you know, I took the spiritual gift survey and, but I notice I keep getting woken up in, in the middle of the night and I wake up praying or I wake up singing <laughs> yes. and I can't figure out what's going on. And I'm like, you might just have the gift, gift of intercession because I exactly. pray for people, but I don't hardly ever get woken up in the night with a burden to pray. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I believe that that's one one sign that the, the spirit is giving you the gift to intercede for people. 90% chance that person has really, that's a really good indication. Yeah. I was like, I've got some, I've got some folks you can talk to because we have some great intercessors in our church. Yes. Uh, Aren't we glad? Uh. Yes. And so it's, you know, there, there's some overlap between natural abilities and spiritual abilities. Um, you know, for, for instance, you, earlier you said a spiritual gift is, isn't something that you would typically go to school and learn. It's not a trade that you learn. Yeah. And yet, you know, you and I would both say we have been gifted as teachers or preachers, and we both went to school mm-hmm. in part to learn how to hone and develop that gifting. So, Absolutely. And also, you know, there there's to some extent uh, a natural communicative ability you know when we talk about like five or the the strengths finder type stuff some people have the gift of communication that's yeah. just a physical thing yeah i'm i'm a funny example of that because i didn't and nobody right. would have pegged me as a teacher as right. a preacher mm-hmm. uh, not only was i shy i was also backward and uh, so you, you take my intro- introversion, my insecurities, <laughs> and my stammering and stuttering, and it's like clearly that's he doesn't have a future in public speaking. Clearly, which is <laughs> clearly, <laughs> which is why it's so funny when I have gone to a like a high school fa- a reunion and right, right. people find I'm a preacher and they're like, "What?" Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great testimony to the the nature of a spiritual gift. God didn't look around for who's the best speaker I can find right. and let me draft him into the kingdom so I can get, find a preacher. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I love to talk about Moses, you know, Moses says, I'm slow of speech. I stutter. You know, you don't want me. Well, no, God says I do. Cause I'm going to use you. I want to 
pour out my spirit upon you and I'm going to use you. And this is one of the things that keeps me humble as a, as a preacher is that I'm fully aware that if it wasn't for the spirit of God, I would be a bumbling, unclear, you know, person to listen to. And when it comes to Mm. teaching and preaching, the fact that I can stay on my feet, because I used to faint when I, you know, preached, uh, not used to, I've, I have fainted. The fact that I can stay on my feet, the fact that you can understand what I'm saying, uh, and the fact that you can sense when I'm teaching and preaching sometimes a, a sense of the presence of God, you can sense power. Mm-hmm. All that is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I'm very humbled and grateful. And I know you've experienced the same thing. It's 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 pretty cool to be used by God. Yes. Uh, so, so for me, it's so obvious since, mm-hmm. since I didn't have a career in public speaking yeah. and then, yeah. <laughs> then became a Christian. Right. And, and that's another thing, you know, one, one of the things that I try to practice is affirming when you sense God working in someone. Good. That's, you know, so when someone important. is, you know, uh, in our life group, we just had somebody else host uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I've, I took some time to affirm them and say, Hey, thank yeah. you for doing that. Yeah. You know, it, you guys didn't miss a beat. Yeah. You know, it was like, it was the exact same no thing. No one would have known that, that night, sort of thing. Our life group we had at somebody else's house and they taught. And mm-hmm. so they hosted and they, ta- and they let, and I didn't teach. They led the life group. Right, right, group. right. And so Andrew and I, who are the life group leaders, we were just pouring on encouragement, you know, way to yeah. go. You guys did super. Right. Cause they were uptight about it, mm-hmm. you know? And so you're so right. So that's encouragement. Yes. And in some cases, a confirmation that, you know, whoa, you might have gifting in exactly. that area. And that's, that actually is a role that you and I have, not because we're pastors, but because we're Christians, mm-hmm. we have a role to confirm in others. I think God might have been giving you some gifts in that area. Yes. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And I in fact, if there is no confirmation from the body of Christ, that means either you are in a very negative church, you know, a self-centered church, which right. is very possible, mm-hmm. or as much as you want that gift, you probably don't have that gift. And yeah. I have had to be the bearer of bad news to people before who have said, you know, I have the gift of preaching or I have the gift of teaching. And I'm like, oh, great. And then I hear them preach or hear them teach. And I'm like, mm, I don't think you do. And mm-hmm. that's so hard to say. Yeah. And I, it was hard for those people to hear. Oh, yes, I do. Well, you know, maybe you do. But I don't think so. Because, you know, if you have a spiritual gift in that, you know, you can see it, even if it's undeveloped, you can see it, mm-hmm. uh, especially a pastor like myself. I can see that. Yeah. And, you know, there's been some people, you know, bless their heart, they just didn't have the gift. And it's a nice Southern phrase for you, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is, we talked about before about how sometimes God takes natural abilities. I think a real common one is, um, is when we hear somebody who's great, got a great voice, a great mm-hmm. singing voice, and yeah. we just want to assume they must be a great worship leader. Right. And, and they're not, then they may not be. Mm-hmm. And in fact, every time you sing, we're more drawn to you <laughs> than we are to God. Okay. That's clearly not the gift of worship leading, right. even though you have an amazing voice, you know, mm-hmm. to this person. So God doesn't always take a natural ability and turn it into a spiritual gift. Right. Uh, sometimes. He does, but I, it's definitely not a slam dunk. Yeah, yeah. No. And one of the one of the other things that's interesting to think about when it comes to spiritual gifts, right? Because the, the, in the big picture, what we're trying to help people to see is God has shaped you, mm-hmm. and He has uh, fit you to be just so, so that in your time yes. and in the body of Christ that you have been drawn to, that you could serve a role that's going to build others Amen. up, Amen. and that's going to be for the glory of God. But there's another element of that 
in which um, it it feels good to be used the way that you were shaped to be used. It does. And yet, and you and I can both testify to this, you know, it doesn't feel good, for instance, when you're early on in your preaching career to, <laughs> to, to you know, to be so nervous that you're fainting, these sorts of things. So yeah. can you talk a little bit to what should we do if we seems like there's a spiritual gift, mm-hmm. it's been confirmed, people are, people are affirming it, and yet... Man, it feels, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Should it always feel good when we're, sh- you know, serving in our shape or what, you know, speak to that. Yeah. Um, I developed uh, years ago, uh, a, a little pun on play on words, the FFA test, you know, okay. I was, I was like future farmers of America is what we think of when we think of FFA. But my FFA is uh, one of the ways that you can help discover whether or not you have a gift is when you're using this gift, do you feel the first F do you feel a sense of fulfillment? Hmm. Uh, you know, you, maybe you feel amazing. Maybe you just feel just filled, but the more you exercise that gift, the more fulfilled you should feel. Hmm. And if there's, you know, no sense of fulfillment, then we, I need to ask, okay, what's going on there? The second test is, um, fruit. Is there, is there fruit being born? So like with my teaching gift, you know, uh, I, I have people come up to me and, and say, man, when, when you preach or when you teach, you know, God speaks to me. You know, I'm learning so much. A person said to me at the picnic, uh, the church, Pictoberfest. Uh, yeah, yeah, yep. Um, you know, we've never gone to a church and left, you know, so filled and we've learning so much. Well, that's, that's the, that's the fruit that's being born as I'm exercising my gift. And then, and that, that also feeds into the third, the A, affirmation mm-hmm. that unsolicited, you are receiving affirmation yeah. of that I'm learning or that I'm blessed or, you know, you're, you're, you had this wonderful gift of mercy. I just, I, I see when you step into the scene, I can affirm God just uses you to help people, you know? Yeah. And so FFA, if, if, mm-hmm. so if it doesn't have to be, you know, getting nine out of tens in each one of those, but you should be, there should be some marks in all three of those things, fulfillment, fruit, and affirmation. Yeah. So when a person doesn't have that, then, then we ask, okay, you know, maybe that's not a gift that you have. It's just a gift that you want. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's not a gift you have. It's just that you see that operating in others and you're like, oh, that looks so cool. I want to be able to do that. You know, kind of like Simon Magus in the mm-hmm. book of Acts. He's yeah. like, you know, give me that, you know, that ability. So when I lay hands on people, they get healed. That looks yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go well for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things you see happening in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 is what we sometimes call gift projection, mm-hmm. where, you know, I believe everyone should have this gift. Um, or the other other side of that is, um, is the, the, the sense of, uh, you know, uh, I don't have any gifts. And, and neither one of those are true, that everyone has a get, the same gift or that anyone has no gifts. You know, if you're a Christian, you have at least one, probably several spiritual gifts. Yeah. So, you know, we, as you said earlier, we want to help confirm that and help people see that. And, and then the last, the second thing I would say is we must not confuse spiritual gifts with things like emotional maturity mm-hmm. or even spiritual maturity. Yeah. You know, one of the things that used to really bother me is, I would see a preacher who's famous and people are flocking to his church. People are getting saved at his preaching. And yet he is, you know, like I'm thinking the first time I heard about Jimmy Swaggart, you know, back, you know, 
30 years ago. He was a famous preacher. He's still on TV, but he was living a very um, immoral life. And so you th- you would think to yourself, if with that kind of immorality, surely God wouldn't bless his preaching and his ministry. Therefore, his church wouldn't grow. His No one would get saved. No one would get helped because he's he's so immoral. And that makes a lot of sense. But there are times where the exercise of the spiritual gift is completely separate from a person's maturity yeah. or even morality, mm-hmm. which only goes to prove that it's God's gifting. And it's, it's not that person after all. It's God's gifting and, you know, why he does what he does. It, he's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Um, also, the, the example I gave of when I first started preaching, I fainted. Well, I was so insecure, and I had uh, forms of pride that were so insidious that I was more focused on myself and how am I doing? Am I am I being received well? You know, how how's it going? Well, I'm I'm self focused. Think about what I just said. Uh, yeah. How am I doing? How's it coming? You know. That's self-focusedness, and the more I focused on myself, the more uptight I got because of my insecurities, and it just became this vicious circle. And the counselor who helped me with my fainting did so by helping me get my mind off of me. Hmm. And I'll never forget him saying to me, the next time you faint, and I remember interrupting him and saying, no, doc. That's why I came to you. I'm tired of fainting. You know, you got to help me. He goes, just hang on. The next time you start to faint, I want you to say, Lord, this is for you. If you get glory by me fainting, then then this is for you. Well, what he was doing was he was kind of tricking me yeah. to get my mind off of me and onto God. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I started addressing God, not God, stop this. God, stop this. Help me. And it was like, no, God, this is for your glory. My attention now focused to him. Yeah. And, and as soon as that happened, all my insecurities and my racing blood uh, pressure and pulse died down. And now I'm not focused on Jim. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it makes it's good theology right, and right, good right. psychology. Absolutely. And so if you've got significant spiritual immaturity or significant emotional immaturity that is going to affect the exercise of your, of your gift and how it yes. feels as yeah. you're exercising it. Yeah. And, and for sure you will grow as you serve. That was Definitely. one of the points in your sermon. And yet there, there's a sense in which my gift is not given for my own growth. Oh, my my gift is given for the growth of others. Yes. It's just, you know, my gift of preaching and teaching, it's not there to make me feel good. Right. It's, it's there to be a service to the body, which, Amen. you know, uh, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Right. And so there's a blessedness in getting to exercise that mm-hmm. gift, mm-hmm. but the gift is not given for yeah, you know, Paul, Paul specifically says that the, the gift is given for the edification of the body. Exactly. To build up yeah. the body. And so I just, I, I think that can, at least for me, that was a great encouragement because I, mm-hmm. I, I've not fainted when I would preach, but I really struggled. And you know that I've, you know, I've called you on Saturdays <laughs> many times, you know, freaking out and not many times, but a some, couple, especially yeah, early on, yeah, like a couple of times. Yeah. And, and, uh, some of that is insecurity. Some of that is you're a uh, young preacher. I'm a young preacher. And <laughs> some, some of that is the weight of preaching. Right. Yes. And, and I really wrestled with, man, can I really do this? Uh, God, is this really what you're calling me into? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, uh, 
if it's if it's fruitful and if I fits um, you know that sort of that FFA, mm-hmm. I do feel a sense, at least some sense of fulfillment, mm-hmm. even if it's sometimes outweighed by you know being nervous and things like that. But uh, it, it, you know the the goal of me preaching is not to feel good about myself. Right. The goal of me preaching is to serve God and to love other people. Yep. And so if I'm uh, that that just was such a relevant and and necessary thing for me to learn early on as I was stepping into ministry. And so my my hope is that other people can, can learn from that as well. And you can apply that to many different Mm -hmm. exercising of spiritual gifts. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And so we want to grow, you know, emotionally and spiritually. And we talked about emotional health a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we talked about a guy named Pete Scazzaro who has made famous this language of um, you cannot be spiritually mature if you have glaring emotional immaturity. Yeah. You know, that, that's gotta be, it's a part of what it means to be spiritually mature. And it was a, a real missing, uh, element in the, at least American church. I'm more familiar with the American church. Wasn't a whole lot of people talking about emotional maturity mm-hmm. and how it impacts spiritual maturity. Right. So it right. was a necessary voice. And, and so uh, one last question, and this is actually a question that got emailed into us. Okay. And so I want to address this real quickly before we start wrapping things up. But um, when it comes to serving in your shape and serving under other leaders, one of the things that you said is as a church, we want to take, rather than taking an institutional approach mm, yeah. where we're trying to slot people into openings, we want to take an individual approach mm-hmm. because we recognize God has shaped you you know, as an individual to be able to serve a certain role in the body. We want to help you find that role because right. that's where you'll be most effective. That's where God will get the most glory. That's mm-hmm. where the church will be the most edified, all this awesome stuff. And, you know, there's some sense in which that's, uh, you know, unique to the church, right? Because it's, we're talking about spiritual oh, yeah. giftings oh, and yeah. it's in, the, in so. the context of the church. And so one, uh, we, we got a question emailed in asking, man, that, that sounds really great. Um, how, how does that translate to my occupation? So when mm-hmm. I'm working outside of the church, should I f- seek to work in my shape or, and what should I do if I feel like, you know, my boss or the people in authority over me are stifling me or not allowing me to work in my shape? So mm. uh, you know, how does shape wow. impact our, our yeah. life at large? Um, uh, that's, that's a great question. I never really thought much about that. Um, I think I would start by looking big picture because, you know, the, the purpose of the purpose of my life is not found in my job. Mm. Um, that's where I support my family. That's where I make a living. Um, ideally I would be able to, to marry the way God shaped me with the way that I earn a living to support myself. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's just not always the case. Uh, and so, when we talk about vocational ministry, we're talking about the fact that, and, and this is the case with you and I, right. we actually get paid to live out our shape, you know? And so that's a, one of the blessings. It's, you know, it's awesome, but that's that's church world, that's church work, that's kingdom of God, that's body of Christ work. Um, so, um, you know, we, we talk about when when you are working in the workforce, you want to do everything you you do to the glory of God, and so it, it's beautiful that this person wants to exercise the fullness of their shape in their job, mm-hmm. and um, 
I think that's a worthy goal to say, I would love to find a job that best expresses the way God shaped me, but um, it's it's not going to be the same kind of sense of fulfillment that you're going to get serving in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So um, there's so many places that where people are working and serving in the world that, uh, you know, in order to, again, support themselves, make a living, the idea of trying to find that perfect shape, you know, they, they do say, yeah, you know, find you know your job. Find something you love to do, and you won't work a day in your life. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, the ideal is to find that vocation that just fills you, that makes you sing, brings you to life, brings you life. Uh, so I, I, I wouldn't say to that person, don't pursue trying to find a job that fi- that fits your shape. Uh, but I do would think it would be unrealistic expectations to have for a boss who's not a believer to say, hey, you know, I, I want you to help me find a job that fits my shape. What are you talking about? You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's not what this organization is not about maximizing your shape. Right, you know, right. now if they're what they were, then yeah, that's a talk you can have with your boss. Mm-hmm. But it, it's probably an unrealistic expectation and unfair expectation to expect your secular boss to help you find uh, the best job that fits your shape. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, if you can do that, more more power to you. But I, I wouldn't uh, make it the goal of my life. Yeah. Uh, and also understanding that when we're living to the glory of God, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do that would otherwise be mundane or boring or even difficult that we now is, brings us life because yeah. we're doing it to the glory of God. Right. And, you know, my job is not the body of Christ. I'm I'm shaped the way I'm shaped, not for me to feel fulfilled, but for the sake of the church. That's right. And so there's a big difference between the, the church and your workplace. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't want someone to take my language of institutional versus individual and turn that into, um, you know, uh, I should find a job that makes me the most fulfilled with my shape. That's. When I talk about institution, I'm not talking about business. I'm talking about the church. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's a sense in which I think good leaders will recognize gifted mm -hmm. people and want them to work in ways that they're gifted. Sure. And yet the whole premise of a shape is that it's how are you shaped spiritually to serve in the body of Christ? You know, because that's, you know, I. Yeah, there's tons of assessments that are mm -hmm. out there and tons of seminars and right. HR seminars to help you maximize, you know, all your employees' strengths right. And, right. and abilities. And that's, again, wise, uh, but that's that's a different assessment than your spiritual shape. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So now, uh, as we come to the end of the, our time together, there's one last thing that we have to do. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, once again, we've been uh, giving away these What's Your Next Step hoodies, and I love to show them because uh, for those of you who, who, who didn't know about this, we're experimenting with some new stuff. So we're actually releasing all of our podcast episodes on YouTube as well oh. uh, in a video format. So, I didn't even know that. Yeah, well, you were probably wondering what the cameras were for then. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, so, on YouTube. I didn't know it was on YouTube is what I mean. Oh, 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 oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we're releasing them on YouTube. Oh, uh, so you can search Church of the Open Door, look for the black door logo go uh, after you search that and then the cutting room floor episodes will be there right after that if you want to you know be able to 
watch us talk and <laughs> practice your lip reading, turn it on silent, that sort of thing. But so if you are on YouTube watching this, you can see uh, the next, what's your next step hoodie. I've been showing it to you the last couple of weeks. And then on the back is the same, same graphic as what's on the t-shirts. Uh, and so uh, I, I got to uh, hand one of these to one of my good friends who's in my life group last night. He immediately threw it on, was wearing it around. Um, so, uh, if if you texted in the text word for last week or one of the weeks previous, your name is about to potentially All right. get drawn. You can reach that. There we go. All right. That's, that's probably a little unbecoming, but Let we will think one. about it. Uh, I got oh, three. Uh, um, this is Holly Harding. Holly Harding. Make sure I'm right. I don't have my, my, here's my glasses. It right does here. say Holly Harding. Yeah. Hi, Holly. She didn't. She didn't win already, did she? Well, I hope not. I'm pretty sure she didn't. There were some doubles. So if you entered more than once, oh my, you got more than one slot in there. Well, then she should win too. You know what? Yeah, because I <laughs> did we. I don't. I don't remember drawing her name before. Okay, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm. I, I was talking with Holly recently, so maybe that's yeah. why she's. And Holly's a big mind, fan so. of, of cutting the floor. <laughs> yeah. So Holly, congratulations! Yeah. I uh, I'll be reaching out to you to get you your what's your next step sweatshirt and uh, if your name is not holly harding and you're disappointed well that's okay because there's still going to be a chance for you to win next week as we uh record our last podcast that we're talking about the what's your next step excursion and if you want to enter for a chance to win the sweatshirt you can text the word servant to our church phone number 440-323-4644 i just thought of something if in fact holly has won before she should win a second one because I don't know if you know this. She listens to the cutting room floor at least twice. Really? Yes. <laughs> she listens to it multiple times. So, so she, she's deserving, oh, right? Yeah. That's, that's good. <laughs> I just found this out this past Sunday. We, she and I were chatting. That's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. Well, Holly, it's great to have you joining us, and uh, we're thankful for you and for the rest of the folks who are who are tuning in. You know, we we love to do this, yeah. but we're doing it not for our own edification, right? It, we're doing this hopefully to help you, to prompt you, to encourage you. And so, uh, if you've been encouraged by this, go ahead and you know throw a like on there. Mm-hmm. Let us know uh, that you're being encouraged, uh, because we would love for this to be a, an encouragement for as many people Absolutely. as possible. Yeah. So. Um, Until next time, we will go ahead and sign off. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. But don't let the conversation end here. Find a group where you can deepen your roots at connect.opendoor.tv. And don't forget to submit your questions to podcast.opendoor.tv. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.